Try Therapy Notes, the number one rated electronic health record system available today. With live telephone support seven days a week, it's clear why Therapy Notes is rated 4.9 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot and has a 5-star rating on Google. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. And now for all you prescribers out there, Therapy Notes is proudly introducing ePrescribe. Try it today with no strings attached and see why everyone is switching to Therapy Notes, now featuring ePrescribe. You can get two months free by using promo code CHAT at therapynotes.com. Trauma Therapist Network is a website to learn about trauma and how it shows up in our lives and to find a trauma therapist. Go to traumatherapistnetwork.com to find a trauma therapist near you today. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Therapy Chat Podcast, Episode 419. This is the Therapy Chat Podcast with Laura Reagan, LCSWC. The information shared in this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. And now, here's your host, Laura Reagan, LCSWC. Hi, welcome back to Therapy Chat. I'm your host, Laura Reagan, and today I'm speaking with Jen Fredette. Jen is a relational, psychodynamically oriented, attachment-based, loving, Jungian concept-adoring, and existential-thinking psychotherapist based in the D.C. metro area. In addition to her clinical work, Jen partners with psychotherapists who want to market with depth, not just offer quick solutions to get people in the door. And we talked about how marketing doesn't have to be gross and make you feel ashamed of who you are, something I used to really struggle with. I will say what we're going to talk about in this episode is Jen does copywriting with therapists to make their websites speak the language that people who are searching for their specific services speak. And attachment is such a factor in how we therapists show up. Of course, it's true for anyone, not just therapists. But when you are trying to market yourself, whether it's for a job interview or whether it's for a business you have, whether you're therapy practice or a different type of business, when you're trying to promote yourself as a speaker or get yourself on other podcasts, How you feel about yourself and your attachment style is a factor in either drawing people toward you or not allowing people to really see you. I can say myself, and I'm going to talk about this in a future episode, I've done some some deep, I guess you could say, audio, auditory listening, healing recently, and the 
way it's affected my attachment system is so interesting because I still feel completely like myself. I just think about myself and speak about myself in a way that is more like I like myself. (laughs) And it's just a natural change that's happened through this sound healing program that I'm going to be talking about. I'm planning on doing a series of episodes about it. I think all of you who are therapists I know are going to be fascinated with this like I am. But anyway, I'm not trying to get off track about talking about my conversation from today with Jen, but this is something to think about when you're listening and we're talking about marketing and how how our attachment style shows up in our marketing. Even someone mentioned that you can sort of see the evolution in my sense of worthiness from when I first started the show all the way back in 2015. And I was so, some part of me really wanted to be heard, but other parts of me were almost stifling my voice and saying, no, no, if anyone hears you, that that could be too much exposure. That could be too uncomfortable. And I I really struggled with why am I even doing this? I felt urgently like I had something I wanted to say, and I was also filled with self-doubt and imposter syndrome. And I've talked about that over the years and how, you know, I've, I've understood myself so much differently, but it's kind of an example of how you can really get it on an intellectual level. But until you do something to change your neural wiring from the bottom up, it's not really an embodied experience for you. It might be like, oh, you know, there's a part of you that really doesn't like who you are, but you're able to talk yourself out of speaking about yourself that way out loud. But it's still like a running tape in in your back of your mind, even if you don't hear it, that drives how you behave. And all of this is not to say that this is any of our fault if we feel this way. It's just an effect of not having had the attachment experiences that we needed in childhood. So to go into a little more about what Jen and I talked about today, we talked about the evolution of therapist influencers and the pressure to conform to certain marketing strategies that a lot of therapists feel when we're speaking about our practices and when we feel we need to show up online a certain way, especially with social media. For me, I just cannot do the the TikTok dances and things like that. That's just so not me that no matter how it might make my content go viral, it's just not me. So I'd basically be portraying myself in a way that felt completely inauthentic. And then people who are drawn to me when I'm sort of performing that are going to be like, she's nothing like I expected. And I don't like this isn't what I wanted, you know, so why would I why would I do that kind of misleading You know, I mean, I understand that it's because we feel like that's what we have to do. So I'm not, again, judging, but I've questioned myself, why can't I just push myself out of my comfort zone and try to find some way to make that authentic to me? And then I'm like, no, it's just not me. And that's fine. It's cool for who it is for, but it's not me. So the more I get comfortable in my own skin, the more I realize that just be yourself. You really, you can't be anyone else, as they used to say. It's be yourself. Everyone else is taken. That's what they used to say. So Jen talks about niching down and writing specifically to your ideal client when you're marketing and just how important it is to be attuned in what you put out there about your 
your practice and your services. If you are being authentic, then there won't be any surprises. So Jen teaches therapists about this. And I think um, she would be a great person to work with, honestly. So let's get into it. I hope that I know this is a little different. We don't do a lot of practice building conversations here, but, you know, many of the therapists in Trauma Therapist Network have talked about that it would be helpful to hear about some of these things and to focus on these kinds of marketing and business building strategies. So, you know, I want to give the people what they want. And for TTN members, Jen's going to come back and do a small group, um, you know, with our one of our live calls. She'll be there with us and be able to answer your questions and go a little bit more in depth. So look forward to that if you're a member of Trauma Therapist Network. If you're not a member, we'd love to have you on the waiting list. We'll be opening up registration two times this year. So let's get into my conversation with Jen Fredette. Hi, welcome back to Therapy Chat. I'm your host, Laura Reagan, and today I'm so happy to be speaking with Jen Fredette. Jen, thank you so much for being my guest on Therapy Chat today. Laura, I'm just so delighted to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, you're welcome. I'm so delighted that you're here too. And we are going to talk about how marketing doesn't have to be gross and make you feel ashamed of who you are. And I know this is a struggle that so many of us therapists deal with. So I I knew that my audience would love hearing from you about how our attachment style actually plays a role in how we show up in marketing. So before we get into it, though, let's just start off by you telling everyone a little more of who you are and what you do. I'm Jen Fredette. I'm in, we were just talking about this a minute ago. I'm an LPC in Virginia, but I'm an LLCPC. Don't tell Marilyn that I struggle so much to get that <laughs> memorized, but <laughs> I'm a practicing licensed professional counselor in Maryland and Virginia. I love getting to work from a relational psychoanalytic frame, incorporating like a lot of young and a smattering of object relations and plenty of existential. Like I really like and love getting to be a psychotherapist. I, I can see why when you're doing that great work. It's so fun. It's so fun to get to sit with people. And so I maintain what I think of as a full caseload. I see about 14 people a week. And with the rest of my time, I partner with healers, mostly therapists, but a variety of healers in making sure that their marketing is grounded in who they are. So they're getting to show up ethically, effectively, and efficiently too, because I know most people don't want to spend many, 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 many hours doing their marketing. They would rather be serving the kinds of clients that they got into this field to get to be with. So true. What's your, what's your non-therapy practice business called? So a thinker's guide is my marketing consultancy practice. And I, I like to be on brand. So my private practice is therapy for thinkers. And in both pieces of my business, I really love working with people who, it's not just that they overthink Laura, it's that they think about things really deeply that it can be overwhelming or difficult to know, like, how do I actually want to move forward? Because what they're aiming to do is integrate a lot of different pieces. 
which is part of why I like working with therapists in particular so much, is that the ways therapists conceptualize the world and conceptualize the people that they work with, as well as marketing in general. I often hear my therapist students talk about how marketing feels really shallow. So it's gross, but it's also like, I just got to go do small talk in general, or it's like, just give people like CBT nuggets. And I don't really practice that way. Like, how do I translate what it is I'm doing in the room in my marketing? I don't really want to do it. I'd rather just be with people. So I, I love getting to work with people who hold that lens because if you're somebody who doesn't overthink things, marketing is actually just on the surface, not that hard. And if you're somebody who wants to approach it more thoughtfully, and I, I would say even more therapeutically, it can be complicated given the kind of education there is around marketing out there. That, that yes, that is so true and so helpful. And I, I'm thinking about myself as, you know, I started my practice 10 years ago. I did a, a course to build my practice and marketing was included and they were very much about, I think some of the concepts that you talk about, I know, you know, far more mar about marketing than I do far, 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 far more. But what I felt like was this can be fun and this can be a way to really help people find you, which is good. And it's, it's helping people just by what they get from the interaction with your website or whatever. So I liked that and I would find, I've kind of found it creative and it was interesting. Now, 10 years ago, 2014 is a little bit different from today. Social media marketing was not what it is now. I mean, it was kind of beginning to grow through Facebook, not as much through, I mean, the whole influencer idea was not around. So can you say a little bit about like, like how we've kind of where we are now with like therapist influencers and stuff like that. Yeah. So, cause I think that's what therapists feel they have to do is become an influencer if they're going to be known at all. Yeah. So there's a way I'm like, I feel like I just came up with four more questions in like the one and a half questions you just asked me. And so the first thing I just want to say from just a really concrete logistical perspective I actually often suggest to people that you don't try to make social media a lead generator, which just means like making sure you're getting in front of people who potentially would want to work with you unless you want to scale beyond a one-to-one -one practice. It takes a lot of energy, effort. And because social media, if we're using like Instagram or TikTok as an example, I guess you could do it on Facebook too, but I don't tend to see people doing that much there. Maybe YouTube now. Maybe YouTube. Yeah. So these are not geographically restricted. The ways people are finding you, and actually I like that you just included YouTube, YouTube and Instagram are moving more and more towards keyword. And so when we talk about like search optimization for like Google, it's that's like more keyword based. Okay. And so I can't explain to you how the algorithms work because they're a little confusing to me, but essentially the algorithms know what kind of keywords you as a user likes and it will feed you more of that. But it's not necessarily geographically restricted. Right. And so if you're building an audience on Instagram, and I've had friends who have done this and have been fairly successful, 
they get a lot of DMs from people that they're never going to be able to see. And then when we're talking about therapy, then you're also having to hold the boundary of like, how do I relate to people and be really clear this isn't therapy and like what's psychoeducation versus therapy and like it can be a real ethical minefield. And it's not, I think, worth the energy or effort unless you are really conscious that you want to scale. And I would say even not scale to a group practice, but like scale that you want to sell something else or you want to become an author or like there's another reason for you to have a platform in that way. So like that's just the mm-hmm. real concrete piece. And I suggest to people that Instagram can be a really good nurture place. And so knowing somebody can go and check out what you have on Instagram without you trying to bring in leads can be like, oh, I'm going to check you out. Like, ooh, okay, you do feel like my kind of person. I'm going to go back to your website. That can be helpful. So that's the concrete logistical marketing advice. Part of what you're also asking is I think how therapists and lots of business owners, I think, fear the shadow side of what happens as we get bigger and bigger and bigger. And I, Laura, I imagine you do this in therapy in the consult room, often when there's a small emotion, and I work with people who are pretty highly defended, move towards intellectualization. When there's a small feeling, I move to amplify it so we can really look at it. And when we start to talk about fame or increasing a platform size, what is shadow in your business and frankly in you is going to get amplified. And I think therapists are actually pretty wise to be like, I don't know about this visibility thing because we are familiar with the shadow. Like we sit and help people process that. I mean, depending on your theoretical orientation, you have different things that you'd call it. And most of us, as we're doing the work ourselves, we can feel into like, this is a place that I still struggle. I'll give you an example. I'm incorporating a lot more somatic lenses, frames, and even exercises into the marketing that I'm teaching. And I've worked with a somatically like trained out the wazoo therapist myself for over 10 years. I'm not somatically trained and I've gotten a lot of that in my my own therapeutic work. And I made a self-deprecating joke to a client the other day. I was like, yeah, you know, and then I went and I did some... I don't even know how to say it correctly, Laura, but like heliotic breathing where you do the five, like inhale Mm. for five, hold for five, then exhale for eight to like release my vagus nerve. And I was like, yeah, so I I did the thing. And I was like, oh, Jen, like, why are you making it sound like this was such a big deal for you to do? In part, because we often suggest things to clients that we may or may not be doing regularly Mm -hmm. ourselves. And I don't mean to say I'm not integrated, but also I'm not integrated because I'm human. And so there's ways I think we're aware of that and can go to a place of like, am I an imposter or I'm being hypocritical or like, do I even have the right to say that? And what's unfortunate is people who are that thoughtful and really self-curious about themselves often stay small and people who don't have that same awareness tend to charge full speed ahead. Does that make sense? Yeah. So my fears of showing up mean that I'm actually a deep thinker and a thoughtful person (laughs) rather than it being true that if I let people see who I am, 
fully that I'll be sent off to metaphorical Siberia <laughs> somehow, <laughs> rejected, abandoned, yeah. betrayed, whatever. Which my therapist says, and now I say to clients and to students, often what we fear will happen is something that has already happened to us, right? That we fear having to live into that feeling again. And a lot of the people that I end up working with in my marketing consultancy are people who have relational trauma, like at least as a baseline and often other forms of trauma throughout their lives and are in a profession that literally started with the analyst being off screen, right? That you weren't supposed to see Freud. And so a lot of this gets just again and again, like reaffirmed of like, it, you don't need to be seen. You shouldn't be seen. It's selfish to be seen or it's whatever the messaging was. And so that you need is too much easy. attention. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You're too much. Yeah. Or you're not enough. Why can't you do blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And so visibility, I think we often fear will put that in front of everybody as opposed to as I've gotten to work with students who refine their messaging on their website, really consider what kind of marketing strategies they want to engage with because of who they are, what they want in their business and like what works for them as opposed to what the gurus are like. Everybody needs to do seven second B-roll trending videos on Instagram. That's what you have to do. Which side note, when we're recording this, like that is currently the strategy du jour. Instead of having to do what others tell you to do, choosing what works for you, like the websites, the marketing that come out, like I'm not the person necessarily that they're writing to or trying to draw right, in. Right. And I, I walk away and like, I really should work with you. I love my therapist, but man, I feel so seen as I sit in your website. And these are people who, like who they're writing to are so different from me. But I can feel how they know how to attune and I want to work with attuned people. And that's part of the magic, I think, of being able to translate your clinical insight, which isn't theoretical conceptualizations, but like your clinical insight of what shows up, how people experience the world and like what is happening for them and then bringing it into your marketing and specifically your messaging. So I feel like I'm using can, a lot of jargon. <laughs> well, it sounds like you're saying so people can find when they read your marketing, which is what the copy on your website and the stuff that you write and post on social media and the ways that you're showing up, what they feel and sense is this person's going to understand my struggle and they know how to help me. Yes. And so, I want to work with them because they make me feel good and I want to go towards them rather than they're trying to like trick me into something or make me do something I don't want to do, which is how marketing has, you know, that's something in myself. I get so, I'm so averse to forcing people to do something they don't want to do because I feel like consent is so important that I'd not really rather, but I think the effect is that I end up rather not let people know about what I'm offering, then bombard them and make them feel like she's intrusive. She's violating my boundaries. So obviously that is about stuff that I've been through. Yeah. <laughs> obviously to so, me and my therapist. Yeah. And my listeners. 
<laughs> I appreciate the self-disclosure. <laughs> and I, we talked a little bit before we started recording that I, I have a history of religious trauma. And so I'm with you, like, particularly really didactic, you must, you must, you must, like really that kind of authoritarian. Yeah, piece power over feel. I just like balance and like, yeah, no, this is not for me. Like that's not, even if this is a product or service that I might really want, like this doesn't feel good to me. So I'm going to leave. Yeah, same. And I, I want to rewind a little bit to what you said of like helping people feel good. And that's actually, I think, a place where therapists get tripped up is the really attuned marketing and really just being an attuned person doesn't mean that people feel good. It means that they feel seen. And I have a toddler who's like, feels like a masterclass in attunement of like, oh, okay, like, you have no idea what you just said. Like, let me keep trying. Let me keep trying. And there's plenty of days that I don't think I make her feel good good because I don't give her necessarily what she wants. Mm -hmm. Like she's obsessed with fruit snacks right now. And like we go through these huge Costco packs of fruit snacks, limit of two a day. And so if we're up to, you've already had two, she really wants the next one. I'm, like, I'm sorry, baby. I got to veto that. I still see her. I validate that this is something she wants and it's really disappointing to not get it. And often in therapist marketing, we're so focused on soothing the pain mm. that we're actually, we're skipping over it. it. And it can actually be invalidating mm. to be able to like, oh, but you've made it through. Like you're a survivor and like, da, 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 da. Like the Psych Today profiles are like, you're so brave to be here. It's a journey of a thousand steps that you've made it. Some Brainy Brown quote. As opposed to, hey, I see you. And that really, 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 really sucks. And let me actually list for you the ways that I see that it sucks to be where you are. And that feels incredibly comforting and soothing to people, right? And it doesn't mean that we're not going to move towards a solution because we don't want people to be stuck, especially in your people I know are trauma therapists. And so trauma like creates all sorts of places of pain, but Part of the way we start to attune to people is acknowledging mm -hmm. the pain and being able to help them work through processing it. And so they don't have to continue to hold it in the same ways. You're the trauma expert, though. So you can tell me if I have that right. Yes, of um, course. Of course. Yeah. So again, like attuned marketing is about being able to reflect back what we see is going on for people. I, it can give you an example in my Psych Today profile right now. In my call to action, so call to action is just telling people what do you need to do next. I have a line essentially of like, let's stop pretending that you're here searching for a therapist for your brother-in-law's second cousin's colleague or something like that, like some line of whatever. Let's stop pretending you're here for them and go ahead and risk letting somebody else show up and be caretaker to you. Right. And so like, that's a really specific thing that if my husband read that, he was like, what are you talking about? I'm not here because I am searching for a therapist for somebody else. And my people are like, how did you know? Like, how did you know that I'm telling everybody else they should go to therapy, but I'm not going to therapy. Mm -hmm. Right. And so it's about having, as one of actually our mutual students says, like having a super secret handshake. Mm 
of like, <laughs> you only know if you know. And when you know, you're like, ooh, yeah, you get me. Mm-hmm. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. I know who you're talking about, and her marketing does resonate with her the people who find her exactly that way. And she lays it out. And I know that you've worked together to develop this where when her ideal clients read her website, they know she's talking to them. It's not the same as my ideal clients or the people who we work best with in my practice, because even though, you know, and here's where I guess I don't want to get too far afield from the attachment piece. But when we talk about like, you know, niching and specialization, I'm a trauma therapist. Is that a specialty? Yes. I specialize in complex PTSD and dissociation. Is that a specialty? Yes. But, you know, there's childhood emotional neglect. There's emotional abuse. They're not the same. There's physical abuse. There's physical neglect. There's sexual abuse. There's, you know, poverty and those different experiences, not that one person may not have had all of them, but those different experiences are felt differently for the person who's seeking therapy and you work with them differently when you're, when you're working with um, them as a therapist. So I think one of the things that so many of us miss is how specifically we need to be speaking to who we're really trying to speak to. Yeah. Well, I would add to and I don't know if this shows up for you or not, but I see again and again, people get scared first of niching down. And so niching down, you just did a beautiful job of like essentially complex PTSD is your niche. And there's Mm -hmm. like a whole, like there's probably millions of people just in your general geographic area that like fit that Mm -hmm. criteria. You can't see that many people. And so we could continue to tighten it up. So it's maybe complex PTSD without physical abuse. I don't know. Like maybe there's some things that you want to say that's not where we specialize or see PTSD for specific demographics. So maybe you all specialize in women or maybe you specialize in men or people who are non-binary, like whatever it might be. And a niche is a really helpful clinical category as well to be able to say this is outside of my yeah. uh, scope of competence, right? So like, I don't think of myself as a trauma therapist. I think of myself as a depth psychotherapist. I have plenty of people who have trauma, but there's levels of trauma that I'm like, this is outside of my scope. And I honestly think I've resisted getting trained in EMDR for so long because I'm like, uh, it would like expand my scope and I'd want to like keep it tighter mm-hmm. than that. But a niche is both clinical category and marketing category. An ICA, when people start to hear this term, they're like, oh, I have to just pick one person. But how do I ever pick? And like they get scared about excluding people and it can get kind of wobbly. What an ICA, an ideal client avatar actually is, (laughs) is a copywriting or a messaging tool 
that allows you to write very specifically to somebody. And when we distill down to the individual, we tend to reveal the universal. And like one of my favorite examples of this, even though J.K. Rowling has lots of problematic stuff now, but if you ask any millennial worth their salt, what's your Hogwarts house, they will tell you, mm-hmm. right? And there's a way in which I'm not Harry Potter. I am not a wizard or a witch. Like I've never gotten my letter, but I know exactly where I would be because I've entered that story, right? And when we write a really specific story about a really specific person, people have a way like this. I don't know if it's human nature or just the way we have created our, the way we live, but we enter into that story. We imagine ourselves in that story. And so even if the specifics don't match, people are still like, yes, this is me. Like I'm here. When I first started my practice, I've marketed to dudes in like their mid twenties who worked in tech. So I was like, that's who I should work with. So I don't, I have two younger brothers, both who work in tech. So I was trying to probably work something out around sibling relationships, (laughs) but those who I marketed to, and I would get these calls from people who were like in their fifties, twice divorced women. And I'm like, why are you reaching out to me? I just felt so seen when I read your website. Seriously? Like, I didn't write it for even close to you. But there was something in the ways that I talked about what I offered. And again, it's it's a way to be able to show what it is that we do without actually having to disclose like client. Like, and we can't do that, obviously. But we get to demonstrate this is how I see people. This is how I show up. And people are like, oh, that's what therapy is. I would like to do that. That sounds really good to me. Mm. You can see looking. Yeah. Well, it's like, it's like a feeling of they get a sense the, the person who's taking in the marketing material gets a sense of how you are. So do we want the, the women, the 50 women in their fifties to come when we're really marketing to the tech guys in their mid twenties? So I did two pieces with that. I did not take this person on back then, which is part of the reason I feel okay, like sharing a little bit about it. And I went back and I refined my messaging Hmm. because ultimately, and you were talking about consent is really important to you. Being really, really crystal clear about what it is you offer and who it is for is incredibly powerful consent for people, for them to be able to look and be like, okay, this is who they are, that doesn't sound like what I want. Mm-hmm. It doesn't sound like what I need. I can really clearly feel like even though this is a story, it's not a story of like leading me like where I want to go, right? And so we actually get even more specific that then we're only really capturing people in our niche are going to resonate, right? And I also want to zoom out a little bit because I'm talking a lot about like what it is we do to draw people in. But what I often see that gets people tripped up in creating their marketing is how they are attached to marketing. Often coming back to sort of your question about fame and like, ah, like what about people becoming influencers? There's this shadow that gets revealed in our marketing And it's often revealing our own countertransference to 
our potential clients, right? And so, well, we don't want to do that. It. Everybody knows that. <laughs> well, I, I don't know the counter trade. Keep it hidden that. under the lid. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, I'm like, actually, you kind of like, maybe that's what I'm going to talk about in supervision next week. It's like, <laughs> let's talk about counter-transference and how I might be avoiding it. And it, it reveals often how we perceive how our clients are going to show up. And I want to use like a just a super easy piece. And when we often talk about fee and how we're making money, the ways people talk about how they charge for their services are just all over the place, right? Even if every, let's say everybody's charging $100, people are going to feel differently. Like, oh, Tara, I charge $100. Like, how am I only charging $100? And our projection starts to show up in how we talk about it or don't talk about it on our website and in our messaging. And it actually really reveals a lot about how we perceive our future clients are going to respond to mm-hmm. see. So there's often people who go into a long, often just huge text block about super bills. And this is why they don't uh, collude with insurance and da, da, da. Like it's just like all of this stuff versus I, I actually say on my website, I charge $300 an hour, but that's not all it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you blood. It's going to co- cost you sweat. And it is going to cost you tears because we're going to go deep like there's not just the financial cost, there's like a holistic cost. And and the fee is a piece of that, but there's all of this other stuff of what it costs to be in therapy with me. And I want people to have an awareness of that, right? So that's just a different way of me approaching my people because most of my people, like, they're not going to quibble with me about what therapy cost, but they are going to struggle to be vulnerable with me. And so from the jump, I'm wanting to highlight that's part of the cost of doing therapy. You're bringing it up because that specifically would be something that your ideal client would need to be willing to invest even more so than the money, really. Yes. I like that. And so I'm moving to attune to them as opposed to, I do charge a lot and and here's why it's worth it. And here's why you, you're really going to get your money's worth. And don't worry, you can always submit for a super bill, da, 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 da. That's me actually over-functioning and moving in a really unconscious way to disempower my client or my future clients or just people on my website to decide, am I able to do this or not? I I trust that my people know how to manage their finances, which, side note, is not where I started when I started my practice. Like, this is a lot of therapy and coaching and, like, doing my own work around it. But that's a piece of the counter-transference that shows up in our marketing. Often the other thing, just as a broad stroke, is people are often very, very soothing and pastel in their marketing, which is not a bad thing to be. But often they're doing that because that's what they see gets modeled. And like, I got to do it the way everybody else is doing it. And a lot of counter-transference, I think in marketing is often let me mimic what other people are doing. Mm-hmm. And I, I taught for a while at Marymount. And so I could watch my baby students mimic what they would see me do or what they would see me model. But they would mimic it because they didn't know what to do in like their pseudo sessions, which 
it's not bad to mimic, but that's not a long-term sustainable way to show up in relationship because you're not actually showing up authentically as yourself, whether that's your marketing or in the consult room. I, you, I love what you just shared. And it made me think of something that I have found so curious and I, I'm curious what your thoughts will be where, and I'll just like, I'm going to just think, share my thoughts too. Like, you know, the whole influencer thing, cool, you know, cool. But like, I feel like it has, and I, I don't know for younger people, I'm not a social media expert on how it, you know, impacts our self-concept and stuff, but I'll just say for myself, my impression is if you were an influencer, you would have to look a certain way and your everything you put out has to look a certain way. And the way it has to look does relate to the algorithm. So whether it's giving like CBT type, you know, there's so many therapist influencers who what they're doing is like they're giving a, a psychoeducational thing in 30 seconds. And that's, that's great. Some people have that gift and some people are really good at just like educating too. But for myself, that's just not the way that feels good to me to be showing up on social media that I'm like, here's a tip about blah, 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 blah. That just doesn't feel right. But if that's what we're supposed to do, then I'm going to try to do it. And I'm forcing myself into like a, a square peg into a round hole. So with that said, now the, the real point that came up for me when you were talking about that is where I have seen this actually happened. I took one of my children to therapy when they were an adolescent. I found the therapist. I'm the therapist mom. I found the therapist. I said, looks like this person would be the right fit for them. And so when we showed up to the appointment, because my child wasn't old enough to drive, obviously, and I'm with them anyway, because, you know, I was going to be there as their mom. The therapist, when they walked out, literally the picture and the actual person looked nothing alike. And I said, no, we're here to see so-and-so. And they were like, that's me. And I was like, no, you don't look anything like the person. This can't be right. And I, I pulled out my phone and I looked at their picture and I looked at them and I was like, maybe in the eyes. And so I literally let my child go back for the session, not sure if it was really the right person, which was really weird. But I have seen other people who the picture is, a you know, their hair's down and they look like this. And then when you see them, that's not the way they actually walk around in real life. So it's jarring. Like, it's like, I feel there's a pressure to look a certain way that is, I'm not judging the people. It's just like, how can you feel comfortable about marketing yourself if what you're putting out is, here's me and my, you know, when I was a bridesmaid in a wedding and I had hair and makeup done by, you know, and I, I, I never dress like this. I never, my face doesn't look like this. My hair doesn't look like this. Maybe I've gained 30 pounds or lost 30 pounds since that time. Talk about misattunement. Yeah. You know? And like incongruence, right? Yes. That can feel so disorienting. Yes. Um, like that's clear in your story. You were so disoriented. And my guess is it's it's hard. I mean, I, my kid is two and a half, so we haven't done the therapy thing yet. <laughs> and even just taking her sometimes to the pediatrician, like, oh, this is just hard to like yeah. take my kid. And it's like, a vulnerable it's not thing. always easy. Yeah. And then 
in that way to like give your kid to somebody to do one of the most vulnerable medical appointments you can do. <laughs> like that's hard. And I think it often speaks to our sense that we're supposed to be a certain way. And I'll use a like messaging example of this, that people so badly want to put all of their jargon on their website and explain all of the credentials they have ever gotten in their entire lives, like all of these things. And clients by and large do not know what these things are. There's a couple like EMDR, I think is fairly well known, but I, I was helping somebody find a therapist a couple of years ago and they found somebody they're like, well, you just check this person out. Do you think they look good? I really like them, Jen. They're person-centered. I really think that's what I need is somebody who's person-centered. I was like, well, that's like all of us. So I'm glad <laughs> they put that on their website, but like that doesn't actually really mean anything. I don't know how they actually practice and maybe this person would be helpful. I know they don't say they're person-centered, but they're going to be persons too. <laughs> the, that's when we use a lot of jargon, it's actually a way to exclude people from making an informed choice about who's the right fit for them, right? If we can talk more about, as a coach of mine says, like how we be, like just how do you, how are you in session? Even if you use a similar theoretical model, how you are in session is different than how I am in session because we are separate individual beings with different life experience, like just different ways we're going to show up. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people, therapists included, we've been told that who we are is not good enough. So perform when you have to put yourself in front of others in perform, whether it's visually perform, like in how you speak, mimic the people who seem successful, like try to blend in. And then when the door is closed, you can be yourself, which is a terrible model for our clients. And it's a really restrictful, painful way to live. Like I'm also thinking like how disorienting and hard for you and your kid but also I was just imagining being the therapist where, oh my God, my new client's mom doesn't even recognize me. And if I had any sort of like body shame, like it would just amplify mm. it. See, that's why, that's why, like if, if she had known this is what I look like, she would have never chosen me, right? Like, I don't know where that therapist went, but that there's a real cost when we're feeling like we have to fit in rather than, Brené would say, really stepping into our own belonging. Yeah. So I wish we had time for more. And I know that you and I are going to reconvene in some future way so we can get more of all this goodness that you do out there to people. But what would, I guess, where would you want to, how would you want people to find their attachment style with marketing? Like how can people who are listening, whether they're therapists or healer, find that. What a beautiful setup you just gave me, Laura. Thank you. <laughs> so I, my own human model is that we really can't attune to others until we've been attuned to in that place. And so I would love if your listeners would like to come hang out with me and get an experience of being attuned to 
via marketing. So it's still marketing. There's something I'll sell you at the end, but I would love for them to get the experience of, Hey, okay, this is what attuned marketing feels like. And they could check that out. I have a, what's your marketing attachment style quiz. It's at a thinkersguide.com slash quiz. And it's free. I told you before we started recording, I regularly get emails that people are like, either I made them cry or the other feedback I get a lot is like, I feel uncomfortably seen and maybe a little offended, but in a good way, which (laughs) is like every therapist dream, I think. So (laughs) they can check that out. And they can also, they can come hang out with me on social media. I'm not trying to go viral, but I'm on Instagram. But if it happens. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Oh man, I would actually probably have to go to therapy twice a week to like deal with like, oh my gosh, like this is a lot for my psyche to hold. But they can check me out at A Thinker's Guide on Instagram. I also fool around on TikTok sometimes, but I don't post there regularly, but I'm also A Thinker's Guide on TikTok. Okay. So at a thinker's guide is your social media handle and the name of your website too. So a thinker's com slash quiz for the quiz. Yes. yes. Jen, thank you so much for spending time with me this afternoon and sharing your vast wisdom, sharing a, a sliver of your vast wisdom about this important topic, because We all want to help people and we want people to find us, but we want people to find the right person that they're looking for and not, you know, be on a wild goose chase and end up frustrated and think it's get overwhelmed and just give up. Thanks for having me. I'm with you. I, I just want, I want clients to not have to work so hard to find their right fit therapist. Yes. Well, you are, you are really making a difference in that way. And I'm really grateful for what you're doing. I'm glad we connected. Me too. Me too. Try Therapy Notes, the number one rated electronic health record system available today. With live telephone support seven days a week, it's clear why Therapy Notes is rated 4.9 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot and has a 5-star rating on Google. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. And now for all you prescribers out there, Therapy Notes is proudly introducing ePrescribe. Try it today with no strings attached and see why everyone is switching to Therapy Notes, now featuring ePrescribe. You can get two months free by using promo code CHAT at therapynotes.com. Trauma Therapist Network is a website to learn about trauma and how it shows up in our lives and to find a trauma therapist. Go to traumatherapistnetwork.com to find a trauma therapist near you today. Thank you for listening to Therapy Chat with your host, Laura Reagan, LCSWC. For more information, please visit therapychatpodcast.com.